Welcome to another triathlon podcast, the podcast that brings the electrifying world of triathlons right into your headphones. Journey into captivating conversations, share the excitement of race recaps, enjoy the humor only a triathlete would understand, and join us as we debunk myths and bring you the bare thrilling truths of the triathlon world. So feel your heart pound, breathe in anticipation, and get ready to dive into the world of triathlon. This is another triathlon podcast. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the first episode of another triathlon podcast presented by Mana Endurance. I'm your host, Jenna, alongside my co-host, Fede. Hello, Jenna. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Enjoying the Hawaiian sun for a change, which is always a positive in this world of triathlon. Absolutely. In kind of the iconic spot in triathlon, you're over in Kona right now? Oh, yeah. I'm in Kona uh, racing this weekend uh, with a couple of Mona athletes. It's going to be a a deep, deep uh, race for the women. There's Kona spots for grabs, so that's going to make it very, very interesting. And on the men's side, there is uh, world championship slots for Nice and for the 70.3 Worlds. So definitely an exciting race to be part of. Absolutely. And we'll have to jump onto a recap of that next week. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, which is all of you, (laughs) we're going to (laughs) take a bit of time to introduce ourselves, kind of tell you a little bit about who the voices behind this podcast are and tell you a little bit about how we got into triathlon. We're both triathlon coaches through Mana Endurance, and we have a passion for everything swim, bike, run, and endurance sports. So we're going to have some fun along the way, talk about triathlon, have some cool segments, do race recaps, take questions from you, the audience. We want to have another triathlon podcast, but with a little bit more of a fun spin and a little more interaction from the audience. But don't worry, we'll have on the pro triathletes, we'll get some training advice, and just have a good time with that. How's that sound, Betty? That's amazing. That's what we needed, right? Just another triathlon podcast. And uh, I think we're going to have so much fun. It's going to be amazing to have pros uh, share their experiences and, of course, uh, sharing the knowledge of what we know and, you know, getting getting this beautiful sport out there, which which I think it's amazing to to be part of. Absolutely. And coming up, we'll have a few fun segments like the what the at moment of the week and some pro <laughs> recaps but we're going to start off introducing ourselves so Fede let's start with you why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got into triathlon and how you got started on this coaching journey yeah yeah I'll go first uh, so hello everyone my name is Fede uh, short for Federico I'm originally from Mexico City and you know my journey in this sport has been a little bit of luck and a little bit of uh you know fate i grew up playing team sports uh baseball football and uh you know back in the day uh running was usually a punishment for <laughs> for us team sport athletes it, it it meant that you did something wrong on the field so in my mind i always saw running as a bad thing which uh, to me was very confusing because I've always enjoyed running. You know, I I, I feel 
I feel alive when I run and I, I always enjoy that part. But, um, you know, grew up playing that and um, then uh, went to university. And, uh, you know, as you do in university, I just uh, went partying with my friends all night and uh, doing the, the college life. And one good day, a friend of mine invited me to run the Chicago Marathon. And um, because he runs a marathon each year to raise funds for cancer research, because sadly his mom passed away due to cancer. And uh, and my dad, he is a cancer survivor. So that was it was a no-brainer for me to, uh, you know, jump in. And uh, after doing that, my brain went okay what's harder than a marathon and uh <laughs> and here we are <laughs> i remember you know it's kind of the the cool down of the race is the marathon so you definitely chose something a little bit longer a little bit harder oh yeah absolutely i mean i didn't know anything about the sport back then i um uh, i didn't even know how to shift gears on my bike mm. so i was a complete newbie i uh I wore compression socks on my first Olympic distance triathlon, <laughs> which is, oh my God, if you see so the pictures, I. just <laughs> horrible. Oh man, we will oh, definitely have to talk horrible. about some fashion fails. <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do just one and brag, and brag about it, but something just, uh, something inside me just uh, ignited the spark and I just loved it. I loved the, the sense of accomplishment you get when you race and when you train and and you know for me it's a lifestyle now um you know putting together this triathlon lifestyle around my you know my everyday life family friends work everything um it's just something that adds adds up to my life and i just love it and i like to share everything that i can with with my friends and uh and with my fellow triathletes uh all the people in Lycra out there. So yeah, I just love this sport and happy to be on this journey with, with every one of you. What about you, Jenna? What got you into the the sport of triathlon? Yeah, I had actually a much, a very different background coming into the sport. Um, I was overweight all my life and never played sports growing up, never played any team sports. Um, it wasn't until I reached a point where I had gained so much weight in my early 20s where I noticed I actually had stretch marks on my thighs. And that was like a very defining moment in my life. And I was like, this, something has to change. Like I'm slowly killing myself with food at this point. I felt terrible, wasn't doing anything active. So when I noticed that it was actually that day, I went into a gym that was near my office at the time and signed up with a personal trainer and they happened to have a weight loss competition going on. And really? I, yeah, and I quickly found out I am very competitive. I just <laughs> always sucked at sports. So I just never really got into any competitions. Um, but yeah, I would end up losing about 50 pounds through that weight loss competition. And get this, I got second. I was so no loved, right? I oh, first place was a, no prize to, a trip to Las Vegas and I got second. So I got a hoodie. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) But, you know, a life of health and fitness and all that junk. But anyways, I really wanted to go to Las Vegas. (laughs) Hey, I mean, you got it done. Exactly. 
But uh, yeah, after that, I would gain and lose 30 pounds every few years because it just, what I looked like wasn't enough motivation to keep the weight off. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually ended up finding a love for carbon fiber and two wheels racing super sport motorcycles for a while once I did get the weight off. But it oh, wow. Yeah, that was kind of fun to mix up and go for a little speed at that time. But it wasn't until I found like triathlon that I was able to keep the weight off because the mindset kind of switched from it being about what I look like was not enough motivation to just seeing what my body could do and what it was actually capable of. And like I said, once I did my first 5k race, it was like, Ooh, I like this, this racing. I, I'm really competitive and this kind of, you know, fed that need for that competition. Mm, I feel you a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Were you always, um, I mean, now we know you are super competitive and you're an amazing <laughs> athlete. So, um, but like thinking back as a kid, uh, were you competitive or did you always bought into this narrative that you were not competitive and, you know, the good girl and, you know, just smiling all the time? Yeah. So I was around other people as pretty introverted and shy and very, very quiet, more into my books than anything. But If you ask my mom, apparently playing board games, I was an absolute nightmare because that's where the competitive nature came out to play. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, there. We I've, like seen, board games. <laughs> I've seen relationships fail uh, because of a Monopoly game. So, you know, man, once you get in, especially mm. Monopoly, it's so long too. you just you got to get that win. <laughs> But, uh, oh, yeah. You always got to get that W for sure. Yeah. So did that. And so I guess that competitiveness was always there. I just wasn't any good at anything to really let it out until I found triathlon. And uh, it was, yeah, when I kind of moved actually down to Texas for a while and was looking for a way to kind of meet new people and get out there and at finding a running club, hated running every single step for the first like, <laughs> weeks, just did not like it. But as an excuse to get out and see people. And like I said, just wanted to keep the weight off, but I did that first 5k and that's when I got entirely sucked into it. Um, yeah. And I've got a bad habit of jumping into things just all in too much too soon and decided to start <laughs> training for a marathon soon after, like did my, first, as you do. Yeah. Did my first half marathon, like 10 weeks later, started training for a marathon and got a pelvic stress fracture, which What? I didn't know was a thing. <laughs> yeah. How, don't, don't how, do how do you get a, how do you get a pelvic stress fracture training for a half marathon or a um, marathon? 60 mile weeks, about two months after you started running. Not recommended. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that, yes. It was not a okay, good idea. That, that'll do it. <laughs> But yeah, it was, um, <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, after that fracture, the doctor recommended some like swimming or biking or low impact stuff to kind of get some blood flow to their area to help the recovery. And um, yeah, I ended up trying to, I didn't know how to swim, swim. I could, you know, not drown, but I'd never yeah, swim yeah. the lengths of a pool. And you know, decided to give that a try. And it turns out there was a local sprint triathlon in town there in about three months. So I'm like, well, you know, running will come back and maybe I'll try kind of training for this sprint triathlon. Just, you know, I'm going to try to swim more and bike more anyways. Yeah. And then it turns out Ironman Buffalo Springs 70.3 was like a month earlier. So I figured I'll go try that instead. 
And that's how I got started in triathlon. Got totally sucked in and made all of the newbie mistakes, including well, doing a 70.3 for my first one and never having used a wetsuit before that race. And yeah, it was an adventure. But you know, it was it was after that that I was absolutely hooked on triathlon, just the adventure, the challenge of it, the excitement of it. And then I ended up finding a, a great coach who Actually, it was after listening to him for a few months on a podcast and asking questions in the podcast and getting some answers and great tips there. Um, I ended up signing up for a coach at that point who just completely changed how I trained and raced. And mm. um, yeah, that like triathlon made such a drastic difference in my life from working in project management and oil and gas to really seeing what my body was capable of. And I became so hooked on it. I decided to change my career to a triathlon coach about seven years ago and wanted to help other people do the same and kind of reach their goals and see what their body was capable of. And, you know, since that first triathlon, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, win at Ironman, qualify for Kona a few times and win a world championship, but it all comes back to this drive to see what my body is capable of and through the coaching help others just kind of discover the same. That's amazing. Yeah. It just goes to show how different and and how wide uh, the backgrounds are. Absolutely. Uh, You know, when people jump into this sport, it's, I mean, there's no one size fits all. You can come from any background and, do good in this sport that's the beauty about it you get what you put into it mm-hmm. and uh you know like you said the importance of having a good coach i i myself have a great coach um shout out to timothy and uh you know he's been in my corner all the time and just uh he brings perspective to me and that's what i like to bring to my athletes as well uh Absolutely. you know it's just a journey that if if you share it it's it makes it a hundred percent times better than just doing it on your own. Yeah. And so that leads me to ask, how did you actually get into coaching from this triathlon passion to helping others do the same? Right. Um, So I've always, so like I said before, growing up playing team sports, uh, like a coach has always been a figure of authority and uh, a knowledge and, um, you know, somebody you look up to. And um, that's what I see in my current coach right now. And I've always seen myself as somebody that likes to help. E- even back in the day, you know, I was coaching, um, you know, teenagers in football or in baseball. And I just loved it back then. And uh, before I didn't feel like I had the the, the sufficient knowledge to to coach athletes, but I got into courses and I started studying and I got in the books and I surrounded myself with people who knew what they were talking about. And, uh, you know, not just the theory, but also the practice and seeing the results. I just, I just love that part being like your own, um, lab rat on the field and, and seeing all the tweaks you can make to somebody and they actually make a difference and an impact into their performance i just fell in love with that it's something that's very tangible and something that i wish athletes could feel more often you know the sense of a good coaching plan or uh, if you write off a great session and they get the stimulus that they needed for that session and then they come back to you oh i'm so excited i lost x amount of pounds or 
IPR, that's something that really gets me going. And, you know, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost you get to share in those wins and losses and achievements at the same time. And uh, for me, having a coach, it's nice that I just don't have to think about my own training so I can focus on everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes things a lot easier for sure. Exactly. I swear that's half the benefit is just take the mental energy out of it. You don't have to worry if you're doing too much, too little, the right things. You just go out, execute the sessions and it makes it a little less stressful for sure. Yeah, which I mean, there's different personalities, but I I believe you are on the same boat as me that, uh, you know, it does, even if you're a coach, it doesn't mean that you don't need one. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, that's, I think that's something that needs to be said because, uh, yeah, we are not the be all end all and we do need somebody to bring us back to reality sometimes. Yeah, I swear half of my coach's job is just telling me to chill out a little bit because, you know, we're all A-type driven, motivated. And it's like, okay, sometimes you know that you need to rest, but sometimes you need to tell, you need someone to force you to rest in there. And that's a lot of what I do for some of my athletes as well. (laughs) How good, how good are you on the, on the day, uh, days off? Like, (laughs) are you a good person to, to be around on a day off or are you moody and just, uh, you know, not fun <laughs> yeah. to be around. So that has changed drastically over the years. Um, I will say prior to my first time qualifying for Kona, Kona was such a a massive, all-consuming kind of goal for me. I got so close in my first um, first Ironman, ended up getting third and um, just missed out on the spot with a mechanical. Ouch. But, <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. But um, back in those days, before I kind of reached that goal, I was very consumed entirely with triathlon it was my life and um very obsessive about it and I it was really challenging for me to take that downtime take those off days and not feel guilty or stressed about it um but now I've got um an eight-year-old son I've got a lot of other things going on in life I travel for a fair bit and it's become a lot easier to recognize that you need a lot more balance in your life to stay in the sport long term there's only so long that you can keep up that intensity Um, without kind of burning out so now I fully enjoy my rest days and take the downtime and just do other things that excite me 100% I think that's a perfect I mean mindset to have it's all about balance and I do I do get why we get um you know sort of obsessed with qualifying for a race and stuff I was the same when I when I qualified for for Kona Uh, uh I was just very driven and very uh, results driven and then uh, when you take a step back and uh, you're not enjoying the process you're like oh am I doing this for the right reasons or just because I want to get a qualifying slot for for world championships but I want to be doing this for the rest of my life and if I if I keep chasing results just because I want to feel good about them it's not going to get me anywhere so uh, yeah I think like I said, you know, triathlon is supposed to be something that adds up to our lives, that it's supposed to be fun. It's not something that you dread doing it and that it doesn't have to feel like a chore to do. Yes. Oh, could not have said it better. It's, you know, this is our hobby. This is something fun. Even the pros, they, you know, you have to enjoy it to some degree too, whether while it's a little bit more serious if it's your job, 
for 99.9% of us, this is something that we're doing for personal satisfaction. So if you're just dreading every session, then something should probably change. A hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, speaking of the pros, do you want to chat a little bit about some of the racing that went on this weekend? We have a couple <laughs> good ones here. Did you watch oh, yeah. the races going down? I did. And um, if I may, I'd like to go first because, uh, you know, I'm a sports, I'm a sports nerd and I just love racing. Uh, I want to start talking about the, the Giro d'Italia, yeah. uh, you know, cycling, uh, three week race, uh, brutal. And, uh, you know, the, the man of the people, the fan favorite, Primus Roglic, uh, won. Mm-hmm. It was a nail biter. I mean, there was just 14 seconds separating him and Geraint Thomas, which is a class act. Uh, and um, that the, the last second to last stage, it was a time trial. And I could see in Primus's eyes the PTSD from the 2020 Tour de France, yeah. where they had to swap bikes for the last incline. And they had the same on this year's Giro. And they did the bike swap perfectly fine. But then the there was a mechanical so he had to change bikes again and i was just losing it just thinking oh this guy has the worst luck ever but he held it he held it together and he finished through and um you know got the win and he was super excited also fun fact primos uh he was uh he was a ski jumper growing up he had a super bad accident and just uh, started cycling to to get better and started doing duathlons um and then you know just got bit by the cycling bug and now he is just a world-class cyclist so it just goes to show that no matter what you put your mind into it if you're committed you can achieve it and uh yeah that was that was an amazing race and as well it was an incredible uh last stage for uh mark cavendish you know mm-hmm. he got the w on the stage and it was amazing to see him get that win, you know, being that accomplished sprinter that he has been throughout the years. It was just, it was a cool moment to see, you know, uh, everybody just, you know, congratulating him on the on the win and what 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 it meant to him after, you know, having a few hard times in in professional sports. So it was good to see him out there. Well, it was so cool to see. So it was. Uh, Grant Thomas, he was in, you know, the in the lead for quite a while there, and everyone was kind of surprised to see that. And he was actually put put time into Roglic, which was incredible. And I think there was a lot of people who were yeah. kind of hoping he would come back and actually take that win. But that time trial was unreal. But like he ended up beating him by like forty seconds with the mechanical, which is absolutely insane and awesome. And that time trial was just a nail biter. <laughs> <sighs> But it was so cool to yeah. see, like, Grant, he ended up losing, it, well, getting second place, but <laughs> losing the win. <laughs> but it was so cool to see him lead out um, lead out the sprint just to give his good buddy of years, Mark Cavendish, uh, a good lead out train so that he could actually get that sprint finish and win that stage. And it turns out it was 15 years ago at the Giro d'Italia that uh, Mark Cavendish won his first stage there. So it's kind of cool to see oh a full circle. Yeah, and this will be his last time yeah. with the Giro, which is pretty neat to see. 
That was amazing. That's what sport is all about. I just saying him. That's what I said. The G is a class act, you know, doing that for his friend, which are not on the same team, by the way. Right? Yeah. Um, I know. I wonder so, how the team felt that about awesome. that. If they're like, okay, you're giving another team the stage, but helping them get it. I wonder if there's any kind of, <laughs> but it's such a good sporting story like that. It's one of those ones that makes your heart just kind of swell a little bit, seeing them support each other out there, even though they're on different teams. Yeah, there are moments in sport that are greater than the sport itself. And I think this was this one was one of those. Mm-hmm. And I have to give a shout out to Derek G because, well, I'm Canadian. So we have to give the Canadian a shout out who got second in absolutely everything. This poor man could not get no. win. <laughs> but he was in like seven breakaways, got second on four stages, second in the like so many of the points countings. And it was... It was pretty cool to see because I know the uh, Israel team or what's it Premier Tech Israel team, they weren't expected to do much with a very young team. So it was pretty cool to see yeah. him up there the whole time, just kind of in every single attack and just going after it, which made the race interesting for sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Canadians are tough cookies. Uh, I, uh, We're getting out there. I did it's high school. <laughs> I did high school in Canada and, you know, the weather, it's just, uh, it's not meant for the faint-hearted, and, and it makes uh, hard, hard athletes. Mm-hmm. And what about the, those factor bikes on the on the Israel uh, startup nation? That those yeah. are some fast-looking pieces of equipment. They are wicked. Now we mentioned in the beginning that Mana is our presenting sponsor of this podcast. We both uh, uh, work for Mana Endurance as coaches, and Factor actually just came on as our sponsors. So. We're rocking the Factor Hanzo this season to get a little bit of time trial and triathlon speed in there. This bike is mm-hmm. pretty wicked. Yeah, those are amazing. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get mine set up. Can't wait to get outside and race on it this season. But no, the Factor bikes are absolutely a dream to ride on. I can tell you that the Hanzo handles beautifully in the Koenig winds. It's good just, to hear. It, oh, it's so stable and you know um from my previous bike i could see i could feel the difference mm-hmm. uh especially in the on the crosswinds um it's just night and day you feel so so confident riding into the wind and uh, crosswinds it's just amazing it it truly feels like a sailboat like the wind just takes you so yeah oh, that's wicked. awesome awesome bike yeah, and I'll have to admit, so this is only, well, this is the first time I've watched the Giro d'Italia, and I got completely sucked in. I never really watched cycling or got involved in it whatsoever until I do some consulting now for Tap by Tour de France, the kind of amateur cycling series of the Tour de France. So I mm. watched the Tour de France for the first time ever last year and absolutely got sucked in by the stories. I didn't know how the bike racing worked and knowing now a little bit more how the tactics work and everything in there it's it makes it really interesting to watch and i had no idea what is missing out in the cycling world i'm glad i'm into it now yeah and by the way june 8th uh mark the calendar uh there's a netflix show coming uh coming out with uh from the tour de france last year so it's going to be yeah. an amazing show like it it has a drive to survive vibes, so I think it's going to be amazing. And they followed Jumbo Visma and a, another few teams 
which if you like cycling and want to geek out, I I reckon it's going to be an amazing show to watch. Oh, I can't wait. And it was so fun to see uh, Jens Vogt uh, doing the commentary and out on the motorcycle. He is such a fun personality of the sport. We had him at our San Antonio race and just one of my favorite people in the world. He is so, he's got his famous tagline, shut up legs, which if you haven't heard him deliver that line, it is just awesome. But he is one of the most like passionate about cycling, personal people ever. And he was a perfect addition to that commentary team. Yeah, he is, he is a very, very funny guy. Yeah. Well, I guess we should probably talk some triathlon racing. I know we got sucked into yeah, the yeah, side. We sorry. love all yes. insurance sports here. <laughs> um, no, I was, yeah, 100%. So I was really interested to watch the WTCS races this weekend. Did you watch them in Cagliari? I did watch them. I stayed up all night to watch them, so um, I deserve something. Um, that is awesome. Well, at least yeah. it's a good race to, uh, <laughs> to help out with that. Both women's and the men's race were amazing. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you want to take the lead in this one uh, or do you want me to, to start talking about it, whatever you'll prefer. Sure. So what we jump in with, so it was uh, Georgia Taylor-Brown. She kind of had a slow start mm-hmm. to the season, but she definitely showed her form breaking away on the final kilometers of the run. But it was really great to see Emma Lombardi actually hold on to her. So it wasn't another case of, GTB running away and leaving yeah. everyone else in the dust. That makes the racing a lot more fun to watch. And then we had Taylor Spivey, who's just the picture of consistency when it comes to this racing. Uh, she held off Cassandra Bogrand, which, you know, I would have thought Cassandra would run up through those, through that pack to actually catch Spivey, but she ended up holding her off, which was great to see. Yeah, um, she seems to be struggling a bit in Olympic yeah. distance racing. Over the sprint distance, she is a weapon. Absolutely. But um, over, over the Olympic distance, she struggles a bit. Eh? Just, uh, yeah, yeah that's that's so what crazy. I see from from Bagrand. Yeah, and she's been, like, wicked in the, like, Super League series and stuff. It's just that Olympic distance. I'm curious to see how she goes going into the Paris Olympics, because that would be so cool to be, you know, a French athlete, home soil, really going for it. It'll be interesting to see how she goes over the rest of the season. Oh, the French are going to have a hard, oh, hard oh. time choosing who is going to represent right. them at the Olympics. Uh, and because, because there, there's so many good athletes in France. I mean, you can, you can make three whole teams for different nations and, and all of the athletes would be French. A hundred percent. Now, speaking of the Olympic selection, it was, Pretty hard to see Gwen Jorgensen. She's been trying to make the comeback after having her her child, after doing running for a while. And unfortunately, in this race, it was her first kind of WTCS race again at the top level. And she was Mm -hmm. unfortunately one of the last out of the water and ended up calling a day on the bike, which makes her bid for Paris pretty challenging. They're just too many strong American women on the start line right now where it's getting hard to see her come back, which is a shame because she was so dominant in the sport for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what happened to Gwen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, she was one of the last out of the water, but um, listening to her husband, Pat, uh, he has said previously that when she started doing triathlon, she would get up these massive panic attacks on the swim 
And I don't know if this is a case of just coming back to, you know, a high level, high performance uh, type of racing, which, you know, WTCS is. And maybe uh, she got one of those because she, maybe she needs to get used to all that environment again. But I'm sure, I'm sure that this is not going to be the last we see of Gwen. She is going to fight all the way. I guarantee you that. Mm-hmm, definitely. And also another new mom, Katie Zafira, she's on the comeback trail as well, trying to make it in there. So, yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see how these next few months turn out with so many strong American women. It's just like the French have the same problem. It is so hard to pick who will be part of that Olympic team. 100%. So, so Jenna, you're a mom. How, how true is this that once you become a mom, you get like this amazing superpower and boost in performance? Did you have your, your kid just to have a, a boost in performance? Or <laughs> Well, I will say, well, it's kind of tough to tell. So I did my first year of triathlon post having my son or prior like having my son. And then it was only about a year as in the sport. And then I took a couple of years off, tried to get back to racing, completely burnt myself out with no sleep um, because my son didn't sleep at all. <laughs> then got back into the racing. But I will say I did win the world championships, get the Kona results and Ironman wins and stuff after having my son. So I mean, <laughs> I rest my case. Definitely. But there are actually physiological changes that happen in your body that I actually found did help my performance. Um, Just with the increased blood flow, my lung capacity seems to have increased, but I was also pregnant at altitude in Denver. So it's kind of the right place to help increase that lung capacity. Um, it's, It's weird because you feel like you're running with a different body after you have a child. But there are definitely some benefits between, like I said, the lung capacity, the blood volume. You can hold on to some of those um, benefits postpartum if you keep training. As long as you don't do what I did and completely burn yourself out trying to train and not sleep and do all that fun stuff. So it sounds like these two women are doing it right and have some help in there to really kind of build back. And especially in Gwen's case, she's so like recently postpartum that um, it makes the comeback trail challenging. But it really, it is cool to see how your body changes throughout that process as well. 100%. Well, there you go. It would be interesting to see if uh, some of our listeners are moms and to, to, you know, read their experiences. So if you're a mom, feel free to, to contact us and share your, your mom superpowers with us. Um, going back to the race. I really, really thought Beth Potter was going to have it. Uh, I thought this course was going to suit her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, challenging bike. And and, and and then I thought she was going to have it on the run. But, you know, GTB seemed to, to, to put everything together. And uh, it was amazing to see her just how dominant she was over this race. Yeah, when she's on, she's hard to beat. We've seen across the Super League races, the WTCS races. When she's on form, she and making that front swim, that's when it makes a big difference. 100%. 100%. And also, shout out to my fellow country, countrywoman, Rosa Maria Tapia. She cracked the top 10, uh, coming oh. from a second, from a podium finish uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that was, it's amazing to see her up there. I mean, 
This girl, I think, has a lot of talent and could go places if she if she keeps doing what she's doing. Let's jump into the men's race. This was another great one. It was so good to finally see the showdown between Alexi and Hayden Wilde with no issues, no penalties, no anything. <laughs> We've been waiting for a while. It was so cool to see Hayden was so strong in Yokohama, but he just made the win look so easy. So I was really looking forward to a real race. Though it was kind of off to a rocky start with Alex slipping and falling in the sand uh, on the way out. But thankfully, he was right back up and finished in the front group with Hayden. That I was kind of worried for a second that would throw off the whole race and we'd have another almost battle between them. No, that was amazing to see. And it was good that there was no drama and that uh, Alex clarified after the race that it was his mistake and he slipped. Mm -hmm. And uh, But, you know, it's amazing to see these two battling it out. And they're good mates. So. Yeah. It goes to show that you can be super hard competitors and just have respect towards each other and still uh, hug it out at the finish line. And, you know, like I said, these two are in a different zip code. 2831 10K for Alex and 2835 for Hayden. Mm -hmm. These boys are moving. It is absolutely insane to see. And they just run with such great form. But it was kind of. It was interesting to see um, Blumenfeld was kind of hoping to see he would be back up there. So we'd have another showdown like the Olympics where it was him, Hayden and Alex. But he just didn't quite figure in this after this focus on, you know, doing long course and being so successful at it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious to see if he's going to be able to come back and get back into the the sharp pointy end of the Olympic distance racing before Paris. Yeah, that was definitely interesting to see. And uh, one thing is for sure, and uh, that the Norwegians don't leave anything to change, <laughs> to chance. And uh, I think they're going to have a few tricks up their sleeves uh, like they did in Tokyo. So it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me to hear down the line that Christian was doing a 35-hour week on, <laughs> on the week of the race. Right. And he's just not tapered. And then he went out and, and ran. 20Ks after the race just because it's not his A race. But I'm sure we're going to see a different Christian in the second half of the year. And uh, at the start of next year, I think we're going to have a very, very different athlete uh, as the one we're seeing right now. Uh, Because, you know, he he still finished 15th in a Mm -hmm. WTCS race, uh, which is not a bad result considering the depth of the field yeah so i just know that he's going to have something uh planned for for the the rest of the olympic qualification process and um one athlete i wanted to talk about is jonas schomberg the german he reminds me of what christian used to do back in the day i don't know if you remember this but christian uh Back in the day, you know, 2015, 2016, he would uh, get off the bike and start running uh, yeah. at a crazy fast Insane. pace. Yeah. And then everybody would just catch catch on and, and drop him. Uh, and until until it didn't happen, until he won the Olympics. And I think uh, Jonas is doing, is trying to pull a Christian. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Jonas uh, win a couple of races uh, down the line because one day he's not going to crack and he is going to take the win. I guarantee you that. 
Yeah, just keep extending that time out in front. And actually, Hidden Wild was kind of the same way. When he was coming up, too, he'd go out hard and just fade away as everyone passed him. But now he's at the front of the race, so it wouldn't be surprising to see Schoenberg do the same. It's just takes guts to kind of race like that. Like a 10K is a long way when you go out hard, like full gas, because oh, the suffering after you build up that lactic acid is pretty rough. But you know what? If you keep pushing at some point, you'll hold on to the end. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's like an Alistair Brownlee mentality. I think he's oh, the one totally. that put it up there, you know, just <laughs> race as hard as you can mm-hmm. from the gun, from when the gun goes up until you cross the finish line. There's no easy gear. It's just full send 100% all the time, every day. Absolutely love it. And we love to watch it. And then for the rest of the podium there, we had a defending world champion, Leo Berger from France. Mm-hmm. is back up there in third. And it was actually a French 3-4-5 with Pierre Lacour and Dorian Connick. So yeah. again, this French team, they're going to be absolutely unreal in the relay as well. Like they're going to have some wicked strong teams and it'll be interesting to see who they pick for those. I don't see the French losing the team, <laughs> the Maxime relay in Paris. I can't. You can, you can put money on it right now. I'm telling you, France is going to win the mixed team relays in Paris. Man, I don't know if the British can get together a pretty good team in there too. And the Americans, well, the Americans, the men is a little bit weaker there at the moment, but oh, it's going to be such good racing. That short, fast turnover, it just makes it so fun to watch. Oh yeah, I just love it. Uh, I think we should have more mixed team relays in the age group fields because I think it's going to. It would be amazing to see just. You know, that would be so fun. 60 to 65 makes him really just <laughs> standing it. Yes, getting it done. Oh, <laughs> exactly. that would be a blast to see. And just kind of, you know, you always put out a little bit more when you're racing with teammates, racing with friends. You're willing to just suffer a little bit more when it's a team standing on the line instead of just your own goals. Yeah, it all of a sudden becomes a bit more important. Uh, not to screw things up when you're <laughs> exactly. part of a team. <laughs> well, the last race we had on our calendar here was Ironman Brazil. Did you happen to watch this one? I watched parts of it because, uh, uh, you know, our <laughs> our good mate, Luciano Tacone, uh, part of the Monoparel team, he was on fuego. And oh, I'm so happy for him. <laughs> Yeah, it was absolutely incredible to see him take that win. And we were all, the Mono team was absolutely losing their mind in the WhatsApp group, just seeing him charging towards that finish line. It was so good to see. And I think that was his first ever Ironman win. Uh, yeah, that was his first ever Ironman win. And he celebrated it like like a true Argentinian, like when they won the <laughs> World Cup in in soccer, just over the moon. And I couldn't be happier for him. He is a class act and true true gentleman so uh you know couldn't be happier for him absolutely love to see it yeah the whole team was just cheering our heads off hoping he would make it over there and he got it done and then on the women's yeah. side we had uh pamela Oliveira. i'm mm-hmm. so bad at that pronunciation of brazil <laughs> um, that's right she won this weekend and it was so it's funny to see actually uh Tacconi and Oliveria were both 54th in the PTO world ranking. So it was cool to see her defend her title from last year. And she's got quite the podium streak going on right now with a hundred percent on home soil. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, both Olympians, uh, Pamela Oliveira from, you know, Brazil, um, 
she actually won the bronze medal in the Pan American Games that happened in Guadalajara, Mexico, uh, oh, you know, back God. in 2011. So she's been around for a while and uh, making the transition to long course, it's just amazing to see, as well as Luciano. Um, she just dominated. She was the only female pro who cracked three hours for the marathon. Yeah. So that just goes to, and the conditions were super, super hard. It was raining throughout the marathon. So that would obviously slow them down a bit. But um, yeah, yeah, she, she, back in the ITU days, she was an amazing swim biker. Uh, and you can see her, her biking pedigree, you know, biking a 450, that's nine minutes faster than the, than the second fastest women. So just amazing to see her dominating like that. Oh, she absolutely crushed it. It was so good to see. Yeah, it was was amazing. We had, well, I'm so bad at these pronunciations. You were much better at them, but in the men's we had... Reynaldo Colucci and Andre yeah. Lopez round out the podium. Yeah, 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 yeah. awesome. <laughs> and then Mariana Borges de Andrade, oh my goodness, finishing second. And uh, <laughs> Alex Watt in third. That one I can say. There you go. <laughs> I might leave the, the pronunciations to you going forward here. <laughs> uh, but no, it was just fun to see so much great racing on this weekend. It's really, we're starting to get into the thick of the season and it's just fun to watch these races. I find they keep me inspired and pushing. And my hard bike workouts feel a little bit easier when they are suffering so much more than I am and actually have something on the line. I'm like, okay, I can't complain. Yeah, I'm with you in that one. You start to feel a bit less sorry for yourself when you're in the middle of an interval training session. And these guys have five hours left of racing. And you're like, I think I can squeeze these eight minutes. Like left on the interval i think i can do that 100 percent. exactly so let's move into something we're going to call it our wtf moment of the week hopefully we'll have some fun ones of these and there always seems to be something going on in triathlon um, <laughs> did you see this arthur herso the winner of ironman lanzarote he actually smashed the course record had an incredible victory and should have gotten a slot to the world championships but he was late to the award ceremony and they gave it away on a roll down. Did you see this or hear about this? I heard about it and I've heard numerous stories about what happened. I've heard that the organization didn't pick him up at the hotel. I've heard that he missed the the boss. Uh, so many stories, but it's just, <laughs> yeah, WTF, suck, like, right? what, what are you doing, guy? Yes. Yeah. So originally I heard it was the, that it was an Ironman bus that, or shuttle that was supposed to take him over there and they were late and that's why he was late. But I looked on his social media because we can all do a little social media stalking these days. And there you go. He, he said that it was um, his mistake in there, unfortunately. And that, man, after all that effort and what goes into racing something like that, to be five minutes late to the ceremony and miss that slot is, oh, that's got to be devastating. I mean, another thing could be is that he was like, I hate Ironman racing and I'm just going to do this one and be done. I'm just going to play the card of, oh, I missed the, I missed the boss and I just don't want to do one anymore for the rest uh, of my life. I can't do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. No, I, you know, I, I felt no, but I did, yeah. times during the race. <laughs> I am never doing this again. Yeah, yeah. 
We've all been there. And then as soon as you cross the finish line, you're like, Where, when's the next one? Exactly. A couple beers after. It takes me a few beers. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I got to sign up again. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully Ironman will work with him. I know it's something that in the pro uh, briefing, they're very clear about you have to be there to get your spot. But, you know, it just, oh, that sucks. Hopefully they'll be able to work something out because he definitely earned that spot. Yeah, he earned it. And and if he wants to go to the, to the world champs, he should. I mean, he... Mm-hmm. Like you said, he earned it, and it would be a shame to see Iron Man do shady stuff and not giving him an entry. It would be just devastating because it's it's not like you can race an Iron Man every weekend uh, mm-hmm. to and try to qualify. Like, yeah. yeah, they bend the rules kind of when they want to with um, celebrity spots and kind of um, wild card slots and stuff. So it's like, okay, well. Come on, there's there's room for one more, especially now that we're talking about it in Nice. So apparently uh, these Nice roll down spots for the men's race is going to be in Nice this year instead of Kona are rolling and rolling and getting to the point where they're starting to call out. Does anybody want this slot? Yeah, that's it's (laughs) like what happened in like what happened in St. George. Like you would get random emails like, hey, remember it? You did an Ironman back in 1998. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go to Worlds? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like there's, you know what, there's nothing like Kona and some of the, some of the appeal and what actually drove me to really pursue getting that Kona spot so hard was, you know, you really had to do something special. You had to have a good day. You had to really go to your limits to qualify yeah. and earn that, earn that world championship spot. And when you move it away from Kona, when you make so many more slots available, it just, it, doesn't have that same prestige and especially when it's on an Ironman course where you can go do Ironman Nice a little bit earlier for like five six hundred bucks cheaper (laughs) there'll probably be more people there actually to be fair yeah 100% no I totally agree with you I think Kona is part of why our sport is as good as it is it's there is a magic around this island and there is something that people just want to be part of of kona uh, and do iron man kona exactly it's where it's where the sport was born it's it's tradition i think i think jan jan ferdino said it once perfectly kona is the wimbledon of our sport Mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's the one race people ask you if, if you've done no no matter if you're an age group or a pro I do understand why, I mean, I do understand if the pro field moves around from time to time to give different athletes different chances to win, but um, that's pro racing. But when it comes to age group racing, I truly believe Kona is a place to to have the world champs for, for the age group field uh, if, if the pro field moves around because it's what everybody wants to do. You don't want to go to Nice for world championships you can go to nice every weekend hawaii is special it's an island in the middle of the pacific uh there's a magic to it and uh everybody wants to ride in the crazy crosswinds and go down the energy lab and you know be part of something that they've been wanting to do for for a long time really absolutely and that's something too like if it's fine to move around the pro race. I think if you do that, though, you need to keep the men's and women's race together. Like, it's such a 
you know, triathlon media isn't huge. Sponsorship dollars aren't massive. By separating the men and women, you're kind of, I think it's great to have the opportunity to see them on different days, but I think it really dilutes the whole like pro race experience. If you have the men's and women's championships in different locations around the world at different times of year, it really, I know I can't imagine that the, like on the Kona Pier at the um, expo there, it's not going to have the same energy because, you know, sponsors are going to have to make the decision between going to Kona or going to Nice. And I'll be honest, most of the time, the women's race won't get the same attention or investment if they're separating out like that. And it just, again, doesn't have that same vibe of the best of the best going against each other, men's and women's on the same course, just having the same energy and coverage uh, if they were both together. Yeah, I totally agree. And triathlon has been one of the other sports that's been very, very equal in terms of men and women prize money opportunities. And it just doesn't make sense to have the two days uh, be running on different dates and different venues. Um, It just doesn't make any sense to me. Two continents. Imagine this. Imagine this. Say your partner does triathlon as well. Oh, and uh, yeah. he or she qualifies for for the world championships. Where do you go? Like, who gets dips on which mm-hmm. world champs event? Uh, because you know it's an expensive sport, uh, the sport that we're into. <laughs> and you, you're talking about a trip to Europe and then coming back and then doing a trip to Hawaii. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, also, like, pro tip: if you're single and you want to snatch a triathlete girlfriend, come to Kona in October, and there's going to be plenty of women. (laughs) That has got the pro tips here, yeah. There you go. (laughs) Very fit, motivated women out there. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That is a good take. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll it'll be interesting. I know it was kind of crazy in Kona. They had way too many people on the island and racing last year with uh, two days of racing for both the pros and amateurs. Um, so yeah, I'm curious when I go down there this year to see what the vibe is like with having, you know, the sponsors, the field, everything separated out and halved or potentially less than half. Like, yeah, curious to see. We'll see how it plays out, but, um, I am pro of keeping Kona where it is. Mm -hmm. Um, we need to, I mean, if we want our sport to grow, we need to keep the magic of Kona in Kona. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Ironman needs to, to work a deal with the PTO and, uh, they need to stop fighting if they truly want to grow the sport. I Take think, that. yeah, I mean, I'm, this is my, my letter to Santa Claus, but that's, there that's the ideal world, you know, having the PTO, Ironman challenge, super league, all working together towards the same goal. That'll be just what we need for the sport. And uh, it it happens. It happens in other sports. You know, there's different entities, and each one has their world championships at different dates. They don't fight with each other, and uh, it just nurtures the sport in a in a better way. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we're all in the same boat, and we want to grow the sport. So let's talk. Let's you know, let's give the sport a chance to to get out there and reach more eyeballs and exposure. Which, and I think having the world championships in Kona, both for men and women on the same day, same time as always, it's the way to go. 
Absolutely. Well, let's move on here to another segment that we're going to have going on. And actually, this is, like I mentioned before, the way I found my own coach is we're going to take some questions from the audience. We were lucky enough to have a few people kind of write in and have some questions for us, the coaches. And mm-hmm. each week we'll be doing this. So feel free. Actually, I should put a little plug in here. Go on Instagram and follow at another triathlon podcast. And that's a great place where you can submit your questions. We'll have a form in the link in the bio there where you can submit them anytime. And we will go week after week and answer some of your burning questions. So we will jump in with our first question here from Romaine. He asked us, how can I select my first Ironman race? There are so many choices out there. Now, Mm. as a coach, what advice would you give him? Well, I would say, Romaine, um, what do you want to get from your experience? Do you want to... Do you want to finish your Ironman? You want to do you want to have fun, which is usually the case for the first one. You want to you want to pick a course that suits your strengths and that you don't have to stress about getting that it's easy to get. And I would say let's pick a date six to eight months down the line and uh, where you don't have any social commitments or any big commitments. Like uh, one of my best friends did an Ironman. The week before his wedding, no bueno. Jeez. Um, <laughs> That's a way to yeah. get in trouble or start so, off rough. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't do that. And find a course that suits you. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have a plan, you can make it work. Uh, that's what I would say, you know, just uh, and don't rush it. I would say don't rush doing an Ironman. Don't. Yeah, because if you want to do one. Don't just do one because you can sign up. Do one because you have the time, you have the commitment, you have the drive, and it's something that comes from within, not something that you think it would be cool doing. That's what I would say. What about you, Jenna? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Ironman. Like it is such a big, a big ask on your body. You know, you have to sacrifice some time and energy for it. Um, definitely step one is make sure that you actually want to do one. I think a lot of people get swept up in the idea of Ironman. Uh, but when you're looking at actually picking the course, so you want to make it as easy as possible on yourself for your first one. If it is possible to find an Ironman that you can drive to where you don't have to pack up your bike, where you don't have to worry about rebuilding it on the other side, I find that's always the easiest way to go, even if it is a bit of a road trip, because um, most triathletes, now I'm generalizing here entirely, are not great bike mechanics. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're doing your first Ironman, odds are you don't have a ton of experience um, packing and building your bike. So if that is the case for you, then finding something that is easy to get to is absolutely key. And then from there, take a look like that I mentioned, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you enjoy? Um, one course that could be really great is maybe you do, if you don't like swimming, you do something like one of the Chattanooga races because you got a downstream swim or is it, I think Cancun's the other one with a really fast Cozumel. Yeah. Cozumel, Cozumel. Sorry. yeah. Um, so find a race where you're going to be able to wear a wetsuit or there's a current. If the swim really makes you nervous and you're really nervous about that cutoff time, there are definitely races that can accommodate that. Um, if you're a strong cyclist, maybe go for something hilly because it's something you'll enjoy and will make it fun. If you're worried about making that cutoff time, they've got flatter races that make that a little bit easier. So, you know what? The biggest thing I think would be just finding something that's easy to get to, 
take a look at your training and what your numbers are kind of telling you. Um, if you're super worried about the cutoffs, go for something flatter. If you're feeling strong and kind of training well, then really do what sounds interesting. Go somewhere that sounds fun. Like this is, again, something you're supposed to have fun with. But at the end of the day, the biggest factor is just getting in the training, giving yourself time to build up. And it's going to be, oh, there's nothing like hearing you are an Ironman for the first time, just knowing everything that went into it. 100%. Yeah, that's that's what makes everything worthwhile, you know, having accomplished this gigantic goal of mm-hmm. crossing the finish line after a long, long day. It's, it's, something it's amazing. Exciting. And I wish... I wish more people experience it because it'll change your life. I truly, truly guarantee you that. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you have to be around the sport, but it'll give you the tools you need to to deal with everything in life, you know, adversity and how to cope with your business and how to handle stressful situations. It's, I mean, I think triathlon training and Ironman training, it's, it's as good as life training as anything else out there. Absolutely. So we've got another question here from Jared. P.S. With this being a peak sport, how do you handle and overcome disappointment? What do you think? Mm. This is a great question. I think, well, thank you, Jared, for your question. I I think it's very important to separate uh, the athlete from the person. Uh, what I mean by this is we are not our race results uh a race does not define who we are as a person mm-hmm. uh it means we just executed well that day but i'm not going to be a better or or a worse person from it i i just executed well and like so if i if i didn't have i, I had a great race it doesn't mean anything it, it doesn't mean that i'm um a a, a bad athlete it just what happened what happened in the day and it's a hard pill to swallow if you put a lot of time and commitment and effort towards a goal and then you don't have the result you had you wanted you had a flat tire or a mechanical or, or a you know stomach bug or whatever but as long as you're aware that uh, you put everything you could towards that race and that you did everything you could on that day you you could have the best numbers uh, leading up to the race, but if on race day your power is not there or your paces are not there, you can only execute with what you've got on the day. So just be able to adapt um, in different situations and be conscious that you are not your races. Your races do not define who you are. That is such a great perspective and a healthy one in there. And something that I always like that my coach said to me is, you know, if you're only at eighty percent on race day give a hundred percent of that 80%, give it everything you actually have on that day. And that's how you can get some satisfaction of those days that don't quite go your way. Exactly. There's always something to be grateful for on, on race day. I mean, the first one is finishing. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Yeah. And for me, I really, it's the way I kind of handle it when I have disappointing races, because like I said, I'm pretty competitive and broke quite a while was very obsessive about the sport (laughs) more than I should be. But (laughs) what I would do is, you know, if I had 
a bad result. It was always a learning opportunity. Like it's so cliche, yeah. but you do learn a lot more from the races that don't go well than from the ones that go perfectly. So when I did have a bad day, I gave myself 24 hours to look back on it, say, okay, what went right? What went wrong? How can I use this information and this data? Cause I'm absolute geek for the data to be better going forward. And then that kind of not getting that result I wanted was fuel for the fire to kind of recommit and get back to it and just reaffirm to myself that these goals matter to me. So I'm going to put in the time and effort to kind of chase the goals that I want to get. But after that 24 hours, that was like, I gave myself that time limit because if you don't, then you can kind of dwell on it for a long time. And then that starts to affect your real life affects your training, your headspace. Um, so once that 24 hours is up, it's like, hey, take the lessons learned, move on. You've got another opportunity around the corner because there's always going to be more racing. 100%. That's, yeah, you said it very, very well there. You give yourself some time to reflect and then move on. Yeah. There's always going to be another race. There's always going to be another another anything just move on and uh celebrate when you do a good job and uh feel bad about yourself for 24 hours if you do a bad job but then move on uh win lose just on to the next one exactly i am um, one of my favorite athletes of all time is tom brady uh you know and uh i remember he said during an interview they asked him so tom what's your favorite super bowl ring and uh, what he answered stuck with me and he said uh the next one that's my <laughs> like favorite that. so you know mm-hmm. just move on keep moving forward well with that i think we will call this first episode uh complete it has been so good to chat with you talk all things racing give a little advice and have some fun with it um yeah we are going to be back again next week to chat some more racing have some more advice and we want to hear your questions so definitely go follow another triathlon podcast on instagram and send in any questions you have there it was so great to chat with you today yeah you too jenna and uh keep safe everyone keep training hard and we'll see you next week